Trigger warning, you're about to listen to the American Christian Thinker. Trigger warning. Anybody who can't handle adult conversations, topics, this is your trigger warning that we are giving you right now. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. You are about to be triggered. Ask me a joke. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to fucking kill myself and I'm not kidding. You better fucking fix this shit Welcome to the American Christian Thinker. I am so sorry <laughs> to my world. I am so sorry to my world. This is not what we want. Trigger warning. You're about to listen to the American Christian Thinker. Trigger warning. There's so much potential um, for beauty and for devastation. In this one moment, it's just almost incomprehensible that they can exist right now. So... And we are grateful... So close. Welcome to the American Christian Thinker. Welcome to the American Christian Thinker podcast brought to you by The Theology Pit. As Christians, we're called to act and not just sit back. We confront the culture head on, dealing with social justice warriors, atheists, anti-Christians, cults, and religions. All and any topics will be socially driven. What trends publicly will get attended to publicly. Now, here's your host, Samson Kovac. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, and welcome to the American Christian Thinker. That's right. American Christian Thinker Act. We act upon what is out there, what is in social media, what is going on in the world. And there's there's tons of stuff. Um, Atheism as a religion is on the rise once again. I was just as shocked about this as you were. Um, They've really stepped up their game. They went dormant for a while, about, oh, I would say 10 years ago or so. They started getting real, real active and real aggressive because, you know, they figured, hey, we can can take this. People are are still stupid. Yeah, yeah, our bad arguments are still going to work. Then they went out and tried it, and they got smacked down every book that they would put out uh, a christian apologist from one group or another would write a book and totally smack them down and all the you know atheist warriors on youtube uh, they just seemed to go away uh there were actually youtube channels dedicated to answering atheists ridiculous uh statements uh ab- what they considered observances and those sort of things i mean i myself even did a lecture series on the new atheism or i shouldn't say a series it was just a one time uh lecture series at, at my church i was asked to do it why do i keep saying series it was just a lecture and um, I spent like three months, you know, studying atheism and really, you know, checking it out and and trying to figure out, hey, what do they, what do they believe? Like, what's their beef? Like, what's what's going? On? Why are all of a sudden all these people so bolden to actually go out and um, you know start saying all this stuff about about the Bible, about like Christianity, about Christians, like you know. 
And I was teaching systematic theology at the time. And I, really, their arguments were sophomoric. I mean, so, you know, I was asked to do this lecture on the new atheism. And I was like, fine. I, I spent about three months, you know, studying what they had to what they had to say in general. And um, I, first thing I did is use social media because it's honestly a good platform for this stuff. I mean, if you want to be a, you know, a typical progressive or a typical liberal where people are free to say whatever you think they should be free to say, uh, you will not have any exposure to opposing viewpoints, unless they're opposing viewpoints that have been put forth by someone that agrees with you and they're just trashing them as straw man. Uh, Since I am an American, I don't do that. As an American, I really believe in free speech and I believe that, you know, you should be able to say what you want and you should try to convert other people to what you believe. You should try to change their thinking. It's the whole point of, you know, having, having free speech and free thought and that sort of thing. So, I, um, I I put out there with some atheists that I was uh, friends with at the time, and, and they were very vocal and very active. And I, I asked them, I said, hey, look, um, I want to know more about atheism. What if you could give me like three or four books that you would you would just say, you know what? I would love for a Christian to read these books. If they would just read these books, these are the books that would show them that Christianity and just any type of religion is just is is stupid, is ridiculous right off the bat. So I was, uh, you know, so I put that out there and I said, "Hey, what do you got for me?" And they were like, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, what you should read is um, one of the books, Christopher Hitchens, uh, God is Not Great." And I was like, okay, cool. I, I wrote that one down. And they said another good one because that because God is not great is really from the um, uh, sort of like the emotional uh, perspective of it. Um, just the uh, what what Christopher Hitchens would consider to be the bad. Um, uh, well, what should I say? The bad effects of religion on culture. And so, you know, you, you, you read through that. It's very emotional driven. He gives very, you know, passionate arguments. And to this day still, as you know, I mean, he's passed away, but one of my favorite uh, atheists because of just how like honest he was all the time, you know, whether it was in debates or in his writing or, or whatever he was, he, he was semi consistent in being an atheist. It was, uh, interesting to watch. And, you know, entertaining also, but, but I, you know, you have to, you have to give props where props are due. And Christopher Hitchens was right there, but his book, I mean, God is not great was, you know, monumentally ridiculous. Um, so I read that one and I was given, um, some other books too. My wife just couldn't believe I put one book down when I was finished with it, pick the next one up. And so they figured that, hey, this guy's a dumb Christian, so he needs, um, he probably knows nothing about science. And that, I always get accused of that, you know. Well, you just have faith and just believe in some book and you're a religious person, which means you're stupid about science. You know nothing about science. And so there, I'm always having, you know, books that are recommended to me from a scientific perspective. And so they went to Richard Dawkins for that. And so they gave me two books from uh, Richard Dawkins. Uh, one was called The Selfish Gene that he wrote in the 1970s, I believe, the mid-1970s. And the other one um, was The God Delusion, okay, which was a more recent one at the time. So I read both of those. Um, 
the selfish gene was interesting. Um, it's 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 a theory book about biology and you know the purpose of biology and biology being seen as life and the purpose of life to, to transmit genes and uh, memes which were ideas you know to transmit those as well and you know we've taken the word meme and, and turned it into a concept that when people think of a meme they think of a picture with ridiculous text written over top of it. And I mean, if that's not one of the biggest insults to uh, a, a someone who considers themselves a big thinker and wants to change the world and everything, it's like you know the uh, the French give you the croissant and you, as an American, we make the croissandwich. You know, I mean, we just wreck everything. Is, is pretty much it. I mean, we we are going to take it and do what we're going to do with it. And so that's why, if you ever wondered, hey, why is why is this picture with text on it called a meme? Well, there's a reason behind that word, but it certainly does not bear the connotations that uh, we presently know it, which I just, I mean, I just find that so funny. Um, The um, God delusion was a little bit more towards the concept of uh, why um, Christianity most, more specifically, is wrong. Uh, It's uh, contradictory in its nature. It's misleading in a lot of its argumentation, uh, philosophically. I would consider it sophomoric, but that would insult sophomores. Uh, it's a incoherent uh, book, really. When you're looking at it, you're like, "What's this trying to say?" And if you if you don't know anything about Christianity and you don't know anything about uh, philosophy and you know really very little um, below a meme of what. Um, these different groups are and these different subjects are, these different topics and stuff, any of these books will either make you be an atheist or um, solidify you as an atheist and you know, keep everything uh, kind of going. It's it's an echo chamber, is is what it is. But when you really tear into it, you're just like, this is this is nothing. It's it's a it's it's a ripoff. It's it's worthless. It's kind of funny in a in a way. So, but but. Richard Dawkins is not a philosopher, okay? He's not a debater. He is a some type of like zoologist, biologist, whatever he is, you know, but he is definitely not a philosopher. He does not have that kind of training. Why he runs into this realm and waddles in there and says, hey, I have, you know, letters behind my name, therefore I know everything about everything. Um, To me, I I, I don't know, but he has managed to um, parlay it into a real nice uh, money-making organization for him. So the the religion of atheism has been very fantastic for him. Um, he even you know if you want to go to his events or whatever he charges money. If you want to get special emails from him or whatever he charges money. Um, you know if you want to be in the Dawkins inner circle, you know or, yeah whatever you know yeah yeah you got to pay for that. You got to pay out the nose for it and stuff. And you know it's it's entertaining to watch people you know pony up money for this uh, that that type of sideshow. So for philosophy, I was like, look, I need, you know, I need something better philosophically. I want someone who look when it comes to Christianity and it comes to the concept of, um, abstract ideas, abstract concepts. Okay. You need 
people who are skilled in philosophy to talk that language and and be able to prove, hey, you know what? There are actually abstract concepts that do exist. For example, numbers. A number is an abstract concept. It has no tangible reality whatsoever. There's no um, scientific method that you can do in order to prove the number seven, to show me the number seven. It, it doesn't it doesn't exist. It's a concept. It's a mathematical concept. It's only true in mathematics, okay? There is no um, tangible empirical proof for the number seven. There's no moral proof for the number seven, okay? All these proofs that we live by and that atheists like to claim, well, we have to have this. Yeah, it has to be scientific. It's got to be scientific. If it's not scientific, then, you know, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where you're just like, man, you guys really need to learn how to speak philosophically. You can't sit there and argue a case of order without first dealing with the concept of is there order? Can you get order from chaos? How do you get order from chaos? How, you know, but they don't. Okay. So I'm not looking to Dawkins for that. So I get a hold of Daniel Dennett's book, okay, called Breaking the Spell. And they said, this is a really good one for philosophy to show how, you know, philosophically, uh, religion uh, is a like a crutch. It's a, a moral, you know, construct. Okay. And it, you know, it's. It, I think the subtitle of the book is um, "Religion as a Natural Phenomenon," and it it was interesting because I started reading it. And I was actually that was the one I was most looking forward to. You know, over four hundred pages, and I thought, man, this is going to be a, a good read because, you know, having um, studied Christian philosophy uh, under uh, Dr. Paul Copen, I had a very good handle on not only what philosophy was, but what Christian philosophy was and the arguments that were set forth. And so I was like, oh, good. I got, you know, breaking the spell from Daniel Dennett. Okay, this is going to be great. And I read the preface, and people are like, who reads that? Why don't you just go to chapter one? Everybody skips that. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to skip over anything in any of these books. I want to, you know, I, I don't want to be accused of not, you know, giving it. The, the benefit of the doubt, giving it the best shot and, you know, really trying to find, you know, okay, what are they trying to say? So in the preface, I'm reading it. And he says that in it that he admits that he doesn't know a lot about religion. He doesn't know a lot about Christianity. And he said that maybe he should have spent more time actually studying it and understanding it before he wrote this book. But he just felt that the book just needed to be written. And I'm, I'm reading this, and I remember highlighting it in, in that and thinking, what is the next 400 pages going to be like? He's openly admitting that he is speaking out of ignorance. And, and largely it, it was. I mean, he was trying his best to um, address the like uh, cosmological argument, for example, and failed miserably at it. Um, better than some others. I mean, some, some couldn't even articulate it. Some could articulate it. But I, I just remember like reading it and it was even in my lecture that this is, this was worthless. This is, you know, I mean, he's not even dealing with the argument. He actually changed the cosmological argument and then he beat up the changes that he made. Uh, Richard Dawkins did the same thing. Okay. Um, and, and then I was also, um, told to read, uh, um, Sam Harris's uh, work, uh, Letter to a Christian Nation. And that was, I consider that to be a pamphlet. It was about 100 pages long. 
Uh, and this was before, this was, oh my goodness, 2007 or so, um, 2008, maybe around then, uh, whenever I was doing this. So his other books hadn't come out yet. I haven't read them. I, I mean, maybe I will one day, but I honestly uh, don't care to. Um, I've read stuff from like uh, Bart Ehrman, his, his latest book that came out, um, How Jesus Became God. Uh, I, read, I read that, and it's, it's based on a uh, faulty uh, premise, a faulty old study um, that was done, something that was disproven that he decided to resurrect because, hey, it sells, you know? I mean, he makes money off of it. Uh, this is how religions work. They put things in place in order to you know, make a lot of money. And if you're an atheist and you're listening to this, you're just like, yeah, it's what all religions do. Well, you know what? Not all religions do that. I would say the majority of them, yeah, because the majority of religions out there are false. I would say 99% of all of them are false uh, religions. So as a whole, yes, religion does do that. They're all false. The only one that's true is Christianity. Uh, the only God that exists is the God of Christianity, and everything else is wrong, and it's false, and it doesn't hold water. And that's I know that's a very politically incorrect thing to say, but hey, guess what? Um, if you want to be consistent as a monotheist, that's what you have to say and you have to admit. Uh, any Muslim will tell you that all other gods are wrong except for Allah. They're all fake. And a Christian and a Muslim, the one thing that they can agree on is that each other is wrong and they're atheists and they worship a false god. Because with atheism, as a religion, there's a couple different aspects of it. There are more atheists that are religious, because if you are a Muslim, then you are an atheist, but you're just a very religious atheist. So there's religious atheism. If you are someone who's an agnostic, you just don't really know. You still fall in the atheist category, uh, but it's, you know, you're just sort of like an atheist that hasn't committed yet. And then when you get into atheism, you have like the militant atheists, which are the hardline atheists, and then you have like the soft atheism. So a soft atheist, soft atheism would be somebody who, you know, they're pretty sure that there is no God. And honestly, they don't really care. They're not looking to defend it. They're not looking to go out there. If it's proven you know, to them that there is a God, okay, but it, there probably isn't, so they don't go looking and they don't care. Any of these books that I've mentioned, they wouldn't read because they don't care about it. Um, it's, it's not a thing. These books and this type of stuff is only for militant, hard atheists that it wouldn't matter if the sky opened up and their stereotypical understanding of God came down and talked to them and said it perfectly to them, they still would not believe. They just they just don't. They are, it doesn't matter. They're the ones who have the um, ABG philosophy, anything but God. It doesn't matter what happens, what goes on, how much proof, it, it, There's a, any excuse is better than the concept of God. And the reason why is because they have a faulty concept of God. They have no idea the concept of Godness. They never started there. They just started with, I can't conceive it, therefore nobody can because I'm the smartest person that I know. I'm the smartest person in my head. And anybody who's smarter than me just agrees with me on a different level that's just smarter. Um, so they have a hierarchy that they follow. And now, I've come to find out that not only do they have all these books and these seminars and you know churches now and they want uh, constitutional protection and constitutional rights as a religion and all this stuff, just like I've said in the past and now it's just coming to fruition here, they have now put out 
Um, they have blogs and everything, but they have teaching aids and, and teaching tools and um, you know, uh, deconversion uh, websites and support groups and um, you know their own anti-Bible studies. And they have a, uh, a catechism. Uh, now for atheists, okay? And they have an apologetics aspect for atheists also. They have an app that I bought, and this app is probably one of the, I I would say, (laughs) impressive things that have been put out to prove that atheism is a religion, and it's called Athos, okay? Now, you can um, download it, and they, it has in-app purchases, and they give you the first level called The Journey Begins. And you get this level, and it, it gives you a series of things you kind of walk through, like an introduction, um, you know, uh, the way to talk to people, how to witness to them, um, what to expect that they're going to come at you like, you know, um, just different things like that, okay? And then going through faith. Now, if you want to get any of the other levels after that, there is, I think, 10 levels total that you can get, but you have to pay like five or six bucks for it. So I paid five or six bucks. I was like, yeah, I want this. I want to see what they have to say. And it is so, it's so funny because being a Christian, I see a lot of this format all the time, whether it's in, you know, evangelism training or apologetics training or indoctrination training or education training or whatever, this, these formats are used. And so all they're doing is just adopting a religious format into their religious view of religious atheism, which is exactly what it is. Um, and so I, Oh my goodness, I just find it so funny. Like, let's, I mean, let's just look at the, the introduction here. I'm going to go back since I've done all this stuff and I've, I've completed all of it. I have to, um, go through and like figure out, um, you know what it is, but it's, it's interesting cause it'll give you a, a, um, a, a, a type of response here. Okay. How many do I have here? Oh, there's only, there's only three, uh, question, not really questions, but just, you know, responses. Okay. So the first thing is, um, and, and this is to prepare you, okay? This is like the prolegomena, which they don't call it that because they're not sure what it is. Um, at least I think that they're not sure what it is because they never express it. Um, they they express the word epistemology all over the place, but I'm still working through this and having a hard time like you know, finding them actually spelling out epistemology, which is the study of how we come to know what truth is. But you know what? For a bunch of people who are, you know, there's only science and the only scientific method, and there's only the natural world, they, st- they never even prove the concept of truth or what it is. Um, so the first, uh, it's a select an ideal response for this statement. Would you like to learn how to talk to people about religion, gods, and the supernatural? Two options that you have to choose from. Number one, screw them. People are stupid. There's no way to have a productive conversation with a religious person. Or the other one, yes. Okay, so if you click the first one, it comes up and says, um, this is a poor response. It's also untrue. Athos will teach you how to have extremely productive conversations with believers. And then if you click yes, you know, because that's your default one that you have to then go to. It says, fantastic. This is an ideal response. Glad to have you aboard. And so then the, the, the next one is it's the, the second one here. Question, are you tired of having conversations when nobody changes their mind? Here are my my four answers that I can choose from. Um, But I take great pleasure in destroying weak arguments. 
Next one. Nope. I enjoy frustration. Third one. You mean there's another way? It's possible to help someone change their mind about a deeply held belief? Or the fourth one. Yeah, and it seems like people often become more stuck in their beliefs by the end of the discussion. Now, you can kind of see where this is going. They're saying take the gentler answer, take the nicer answer, because the first two are wrong. You know, so even though that's what they're thinking, sometimes even say, hey, I know you're thinking that. I know that we all know that that's true, but you can't let them know. You can't say that to them. That can't that, that can't go on. That's just ridiculous. Um so, uh, here's the third one that they have. Do people lead better lives when they're more reflective and less dogmatic about their beliefs? Uh, and that's just a general question to you. And if the, you have to hear your answers. Duh, of course. I'm ready to begin. No, ignorance is bliss. Absolutely. I'd love to learn how to engage people, help them break through dogmatism and be more reflective. Let's start. Or for they're gullible fools, I'd rather be the one taking advantage of them. Now, I got to tell you, I had a hard time with this because I was looking for the more sensitive, you know, answer with it. And the, duh, of course, I'm ready to begin is that's a correct answer for them. Fantastic. Athos will provide you with the tools to help people. You'll have custom essays from notable free thinkers, the ability to share quizzes online, awards and advanced dialogue. Let's do this. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the answer, oh, this is funny too. It, the, the answer that was like, no, ignorance is bliss. Their response to that is, then perhaps a religious book, not Athos, is more appropriate for you. You know, it's it's so condescending and it's so bad. It just drips with this, you know, holier than thou type mentality. And even this whole concept of atheists being free thinkers. Atheists are the most closed minded people I've ever met. And I, that's why the majority of people that consider themselves progressive or liberal are atheists, because they are all just so closed minded and they don't want a free, you know, expression of opinion because they know that what they believe will fall short in any um, public arena. Like they have no arguments there. Atheism, the religion of atheism, it's, it's an argument of negation. That's it. Anything that you put forward, any proof, all they have to say is, uh, uh, and, and that's it. And, and really they have no comeback to it. Some do, some try, they really do, but they're hardly free thinkers. That's why they call themselves free thinkers because they have to say it over and over again to trick people into actually thinking that that's what they are, but they're not, they don't challenge their own views. They don't look at other views They're It's, it's pretty pathetic. It really, really is, but you know what? They're trying. So uh, for more, um, podcasts here, uh, and more episodes, I'm going to be going through this app from time to time and, you know, dealing with some of the hilarious, uh, back and forth type things that they have and, uh, and, and the, the questions and the way that they're answering them and, and things that they think that Christians say and, uh, those sort of things. But, um, Hey, this is the American Christian thinker. We are going to act on this stuff. We are going to talk about this stuff. Yes. I find this to be silly. Yes. This is condescending. I'm putting out my opinion here. My, you know, I want to make this entertaining and stuff and it's, it's going to be something where I'm going to say, Hey, look, if you're going to behave this way, 
you know, you kind of do deserve to be laughed at. I mean, I listened to atheist podcasts. I tuned in recently to some of them in, in sort of preparation for this. And it was the same old, same old. They haven't changed in 10 years. In 10 years, they're still saying the same stuff because they're in an echo chamber. And the Christians that are trying to deal with them are in their own echo chamber. Nobody's listening. Nobody's talking. Nothing's actually getting done. And it's now having a slight revival. And in my opinion, I think as a whole, both sides when dealing with this are just getting stupider and stupider. So, hey, thank you very much for listening to the American Christian Thinker, where all things American, all things Christian, and all things thinking theologically. Thank you very much. Thank you.